This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill. And before we get into my conversation with Christian Schwartz, I wanted to let you know about two of our partners for this week's podcast. The first one is Candid Co., which you've probably heard me talk about the last I'd say six episodes, maybe more. And Candid is the company that I am using to actually straighten my teeth. It is clear aligners, similar to other brands. There are now a ton of brands. I remember a couple years ago when it was really just Invisalign, and the only other one I really knew of was Smile Direct. And now there's a bunch of different companies. But Candid is the one I use for a few reasons. The main reason being that I can drink things besides plain old water while using my candid aligners. I drink coffee. I Oh, I should say, I only drink iced coffee. You're not supposed to drink hot liquids with them in. But I drink coffee. I drink my Celsius energy drinks in the morning because it doesn't feel like I can really get my day started without them. I drink my water flavored with great BCAAs, which is kind of a mouthful to say. I drink my spicy margaritas, all with my candid aligners in, no issues whatsoever. So I really, really enjoy them. They're not painful. I've worn other brands before where I really, it was a pretty painful experience that I guess I just didn't anticipate. So for me, Candid has been a great company to work with. I also like that they send like this little doodad that helps you take scans of your aligners uh, every so often and you send the scans in. And then they send you a message back via the app on your phone that says, take the scan again, or you're good, go on to the next set of aligners. So really easy. The only time I've had to go anywhere for the appointment was the initial consultation where they took the scan of my teeth, they did the impression, and then they sent that off and boom, I get a box with all of my aligners for the entire treatment, which for me, I think is supposed to last around six to eight months. So for everybody, it's a little bit different. It depends on how much... Uh, crowding or how much work needs to be done on your teeth. For me, it's going to be, like I said, six to eight months. So if you use the link in the show notes, you will get $250 off your aligners should you decide to get some candid aligners. Highly recommend at least clicking on the link and doing your research and seeing if you like them compared to the other brands that are out there. Our other partner for this week's episode is one I haven't talked about in a little while, but I still recommend it. And that is True Supplements. Now, True Supplements is a line of vegan supplements that has everything. They have a metabolism booster, energy mixes, um, women's vitamins, and the product that I use that I really enjoy is the vegan protein powder. Now, I have gone down this road of vegan protein powders for a while now. And my issue with them was that vegan protein powders tended to be one, a lot thicker, and they just didn't have very good flavors as a general rule. I have only found a handful of brands that have really good, yummy flavors, in my opinion, and that don't cost an arm and a leg. That's the other thing. Vegan protein tends to be much more expensive than whey, which is fine. I don't mind spending the extra money as long as it tastes good, and it doesn't taste like a chalky hot mess in my mouth. True supplements do not. I really love their peanut butter banana. Something about their banana flavors. I'm just all for because they have like a banana maple muffin and then they also have a peanut butter banana cupcake, both of which delicious. Highly recommend. So if you click the link in the bio and use the discount code breaking labels, make sure you use that one word, you will get 5% off of your order. And that's whether you get vegan protein powder like I do or you get any of the other supplements. You get 5% off of your entire order if you use the code breaking labels. Now, I've said this disclaimer before, and I can never do any plug for true supplements without saying it again, okay? The only flavor I cannot, will not recommend you try is the vanilla, because personally, I did not like the vanilla flavor. And if I'm going to support a brand, which I do, they're women-owned, minority-owned, I really love the brand, 
but I'm not going to pretend to like something I don't. I don't love the vanilla flavor. You might love it, but I don't want you ordering it, not liking them. You like Rosanna. You said this stuff was amazing and it wasn't. You're right. I don't like their vanilla. Personally, I think you should stick with anything with their peanut butter and banana because that stuff is fire. But I'm just going to let you know now, I'm not a personal fan of the vanilla. You might love it. Up to you to try it. Just remember, breaking labels equals 5% off. Okay. With all of that, let's jump into our conversation with Kristen. Okay. So I am here today with Kristen Schwartz, who works with highly sensitive people and empaths to help them heal their trauma and step into the lives that they desire. Okay. So I have a lot of questions, but first, can we start with how does one come to do this work? Oh, wow. How does one? How did I? That is yes. that's a great question. So I guess the big shift happened when I realized I was an empath. Um, I knew from a young age, by the time I was in eighth grade, that I wanted to be a psychologist is what I thought I wanted to be in the eighth grade. Um, and I went through, got my education, um, uh, did some counseling for youth um, right out of graduate school. Um, and then I started a family. I didn't realize I was an empath um, until about six years ago. Um, and I, what I call my dark night of the soul, um, I hit a wall and I met myself in the dark corner of a room and I knew things needed to change, like drastically needed to change. Um, and for the next two years from that point, it was just peeling back layers. Um, I had a lot of trauma to heal, not just trauma um, from events that occurred that had in my childhood, um, but also the trauma that comes along with being a highly sensitive person um, and being inundated by everything that we feel on a daily basis. And so that overwhelm had built up and caused um, stress and not just emotional, mental stress, but body stress. My adrenals were failing. Um, my thyroid was sluggish. Basically, my entire endocrine system had just hit a wall. So it was during that time of immense healing and discovery and growing my self-awareness that I realized like what a highly sensitive person was. And it started to make sense. Everything that I feel when I'm around other human beings, when I'm walking around in the world at the grocery store, um, that for so long, even during my childhood, I I looked around and it was like, well, nobody else seems to be noticing this. Nobody else seems to be feeling this. So if no one else is having an issue, then I'm the problem. Like I must be broken. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's how the shift happened. So I went from focusing on just, okay, I have this degree, I can be a counselor, um, but something reignited in me. Like, no, I want to reach the people that like me. Um, have been highly sensitive their whole life and didn't know mm -hmm. and now realize, okay, I can actually change my life and actually thrive. But what does that look like? And what do I need to do to arrive at that place? Oh, okay. So I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. okay. So the first is what took you to this corner where you met yourself and what does it mean to meet yourself? Yeah. Okay. Um, what it meant to meet myself was if, if I, if I go into like more details, um, from the time, um, I had traumatic things happen to me in childhood. Um, and like, like most children or all children, when trauma happens to us as children, we don't have the capacity yet to understand that who that other person is or the person that's hurting us. like. What were their traumas? Why do they behave this way? Why is this happening to me? It's all internalized. So the child ends up, if they don't have guidance or someone to help them heal it, then they become adults who believe that they are broken. So um, mm -hmm. for many, many years, my entire life, I was chasing this idea of if, if I could just perform enough, if I could just morph myself into something else, if I could just be smaller, stronger, more successful, make more money, um, get the degrees that I would somehow arrive at this place where this pain of feeling broken would just go away. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that's what I did for most of my life. Um, I, I look back and I think, man, like I really do celebrate now the strength that it took to continually bust my butt um, to try to achieve things when I was completely broken on the inside. Um, but that's how my trauma showed up is I would be overproductive. I would be, um, I would push myself to uh, break down where I just had nothing left. And then I would isolate, um, kind of recover a bit and then go right back at it. But every big um, accomplishment that I met, uh, whether it be you know graduate school or um, I had an organic clothing business for many years, and it was in all like fifty different stores all across the world. Babies are us carried at Whole Foods. I mean, I it was successful, but every time I was not happy. I it it did not make me happy, and I did not understand it back then. But it wasn't doing it because it was a passion. I was doing it to arrive at some place where. I would be, I would feel worthy in the eyes of the world. Like Mm -hmm. I thought that if I just accomplished enough that I wouldn't be so afraid of what other people would think of me. Mm -hmm. Um, So living a life like that for 40 years, um, I had a breaking point and I had, I had started the spiritual path of like trying to go deeper and really understanding my pain but at, by then, um, I had just layered more trauma on top of my original trauma. And when I met myself in that dark corner, the, exactly how it went was I went into a meditation. Um, right before my meditation, I prayed that God, the universe, someone would show me what was holding me back. Like, bring it to the surface. I said this right before my meditation, bring it. I'm ready. Um, And by 3 p.m. that afternoon, I was rocking in the corner. Um, My husband had to call the EMTs. Like, I'm not kidding when I tell you that all my trauma came forward. And I had to deal with 40 plus years of everything that was suppressed in a very short amount of time. And it was dark and it was scary. Um, But ultimately, that's why I call it my dark night of the soul. Like, I came out the other end. But in the beginning and the deepest, darkest parts of it. I mean, everyone around me was like, whoa, I don't think you're going to survive this. Like, um, but I did. And and when I say that's when I say it was peeling back layers, like what I thought was the problem was maybe the problem for two weeks. And I would peel it back and I would go a little bit deeper. Like, oh, that's why I think this way. That's why that. And then you peel it deeper and I'd be like, oh, like, um, and it wasn't until I got to like my core trauma, the trauma that really changed how I saw myself and how I perceived the world when I was a kid. Could I really understand what and how I operate now as an adult and how I see everything, would see everything through those lenses, right? That lens of trauma. Um, So yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of working on myself and um, yeah, I made it out the other end, but that's what it looked like for me. That's what the dark night of the soul is like an awakening. I had a full on spiritual awakening. And I mean, were you like, did you pass out? Did you, were you not breathing? No, I was awake. Mm -hmm. Um, but the pain and the terror was so intense that in that moment I wanted to die. Like it was crazy. Um, and so when he called the EMTs and they came and they were like, they left. I mean, they didn't take me to the ambulance or anything. And he, we, he drove, my husband drove me to the hospital. Um, wow. So here's the thing too, is I wasn't incoherent. Like I understood what was happening because mm-hmm. I, I asked for it right before I went into meditation and exactly what I asked for was happening I saw everything, everything that I had suppressed, that I hadn't f- fully felt. I was beginning to feel everything. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's weird to like explain it because this is, it's my journey and it's what happens to me. So a lot of people are like, what? But this, it was real. Um, so, and it scared my family a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't prescribed any medications by doctors. Like I, I spoke to different doctors. I was very cognizant of what was happening. And I knew I needed to go through this to actually step into the life that I really felt like I deserved to be living. Right. Yeah. Well, and like you said, if you're peeling back the layers and then you finally get to the core, I'm very curious about that process, right? Because mm -hmm. what, I guess, what was, what ended up being the core thing, but why do you mm -hmm. think it took the, the peeling back to get to that? Right. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. how does that happen? Fantastic question. So here's how it works in terms of, um, childhood trauma. Um, it's called anchor trauma. So the, the very first trauma that we encounter as children um, that deeply affects us, when that is not addressed and healed, um, then we are, so it changes the way our brains operate, It our brains rewire to protect ourselves, it changes the way our nervous system um, responds to the world around us. And so then we are more apt to be traumatized by other things that we encounter in our life because we're almost, we are more sensitive now. Our body is in higher alert to keep us safe. So, um, so a child who's traumatized and then moves through the world, um, then you have trauma compounding on top of that original anchor trauma. Okay. Um, and so peeling back layers, um, really what it meant was like, I had all these other traumas, right? That, and trauma could be like, I mean, trauma can be anything like what traumatized you may not traumatize me and vice versa. And then we have our big things that are going to traumatize everyone. Um, so, but once you have that anchor trauma and that's not addressed, then you're more apt to then be re, you know, re-traumatized by other things and it just compounds. Um, and so that's what the peeling back layer, you have to peel back each layer. Okay. Well, this affected me. Um, and then you peel back and then eventually you'll get, you'll get down to that anchor trauma. It's a process. Yeah. I yeah. Can. So speaking, I've been doing, um, going through this book called how to do the work. Um, yeah. and, and also over the last few years through therapy and coaching also been trying to peel back. And it always is amazing to me. I'm like, wait, another one, like there's something else. Yeah. And, but I, I like the way you said it as far as like pulling back the layers and getting to the anchor trauma, because I guess without realizing it, I kind of had this mentality that, well, this isn't it, this isn't it. And it's like, well, no, this is a trauma. And so is this, and right. as opposed to, but there's an, mm -hmm. and there's a space yeah. for the, and, and getting yeah. through e each of those layers. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great way to put it. Um, because healing is not arriving at a destination, right? It's for me, it's lifestyle. And that's what I teach uh, my clients is this isn't, so we're not aiming towards some end of the road where like, oh, check the box, right? I mean, that's basically how I live my life up until I had my spiritual awakening was like, oh, if I could just get to this point, I'll be, you know, I'll feel better or whatever. Um, it really is a journey and really a lifestyle of like, self-awareness and noticing. But once you really understand, like you peel those layers back and you really start to understand yourself more deeply, like, okay, this thing traumatized me and this thing, and this trauma makes me think about this, you know, this triggers me this way. And this is how I respond. And when I'm triggered by this thing, and only when we're aware of all like the different or the different um, complexities, can we actually create space to choose different responses and reactions? Like it's really is like this journey of self-awareness, but it's all part of us. Like we're not peeling back to like peel that back, discard, and then go to the next one. It's like we're peeling, but we're holding on to that in self-awareness and being like, okay, that's a part of me. And that's a part of me. It's like the journey of light and shadow, right? This is a shadow. Um, we're exposing different, you know, depths of ourselves, but they're all part of us. Well, and I mean, this was something that I never, or not never, but it took me a long time to understand just because you understand the concept of why you react a certain way to something or what the trigger is, doesn't mean you understand how to shift no. or how to move past it. Because I understood on some level, a lot of things over the years, but had no idea how to rewire. I had oh, no yeah. idea how to make a new connection. Like, okay, I get that this is triggering me, but now what do I do? So what, what is mm -hmm. 
how does somebody, if they have this amazing awakening, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you go from there? Right. Um, You just keep moving forward compassionately, tenderly, patiently, because um, you're right. It's when we're talking about trauma, um, it's not a decision that you can make like, oh, yep, I'm aware of this trigger now. Now choose a different behavior. No, we're talking about and depending on when you were traumatized and or I mean, it, it can happen to if, if you weren't traumatized as a child and you were traumatized as an adult, depending on how um, damaging or how damaging is the wrong word, but how strong that trauma was to your nervous system and your brain, like your brain rewires mm-hmm. to make you hypervigilant to keep you safe. So when we you know, and saying that we should, or someone should, if once you know it, that you should behave differently, that's just shame. Because when we're talking about the wirings of our brain, um, we have no control over that. Right. So it really is just about learning how to self soothe. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we understand what's really triggers our nervous system, um, then we can kind of like tenderly navigate our life to just make sure we're taking care of ourselves and not be so harsh on ourselves when, when we do get triggered, um, mm-hmm. because we will, but and maybe you said when not if <laughs> right, exactly when. And so here's the thing too, we, um, we heal trauma. We, we end up rewiring our brains, um, away from trauma with safe relationships with, with attunement with, um, and that's the thing too, is that it's natural, um, and normal for traumatized individuals to pull back from connection because they are not safe. They don't feel safe, but the kicker is what heals trauma is safe connection. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Attunement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you actually have to be around people? What well, you have to be around safe people, mm-hmm. meaning and with safe. I mean, I don't mean like, oh, someone that's not going to hit you. I mean, obviously, that's part of safety, but um, someone that can hold space for when you're triggered, someone that is willing to understand um, and hear your story, someone that says, I hear you. I see you. I got you like that. It's more like trauma informed someone that is, yeah, that connection. That's how we actually, um, heal, begin to heal trauma. Now, is there a difference in the way that an empath or a highly sensitive person heals from trauma versus somebody who is not an empath or highly sensitive person? No, it's all the same. Yeah, all the same. It's just when you're a highly sensitive person, you're more apt to be, um, and you're not aware of it, or you're not aware of how to care for your um, uniquely made nervous system and body. Um, You're more likely to be traumatized just by living your life, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. taking in the energy and the feelings of other people around you. And like I said, like I did is you end up internalizing that. Like, why do I feel as much as I do? Mm -hmm. And we live in a society that um, most people don't want to know about your big feelings. And so Mm -hmm. when a highly sensitive people feels everything big, then eventually they learn that, yeah, I'm not accepted. This isn't something that anybody wants to hear from me. And so we end up disconnecting and abandoning that best part of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what would be, and I know this might sound cheesy, but like, what would be the, you might be an empath or highly sensitive person. If like, yeah. what would be those guideposts for someone if they're thinking, Ooh, maybe. Yeah. So like on my Instagram, I've done, I think I've done like one post where I posted like a silly quiz, but I'm not like one to do quizzes. I really, um, I really feel like, and I've been there too. Um, I want people who follow me or listening to me to feel empowered and, and to really connect to themselves and make 
own their truth because they know it for themselves. I don't want them thinking that I know more than if, if this quiz can label you, right? Um, mm. But for what I do know is this, is like <clears throat> a highly sensitive or an empath feels the feelings of another person where a highly sensitive person, because they have more mirror neurons in their brain, can notice what another person is feeling and really empathize, right? So you either notice easily, more easily than a, a person that doesn't have the extra mirror neurons, or as an empath, you're actually feeling the sadness within your body. More than just like, because all of us are, are empaths on, a, on the smallest, like we can all empathize. We're all empaths. It's mm -hmm. just like calling yourself an empath. Really what that just means is that your empathy is just like supercharged. And so, um, you know, like if we, you and I were standing in front of somebody who was, you know, having this devastating loss and they were crying, like whether you're an empath, let's say you're not an empath, we're both probably going to be watching this person and tear up. Like we're both going to feel that compassion um, where I'm actually going to feel all the feelings within my body and notice it and react. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, or if someone is having a conversation with me um, and they are putting on um, a brave face and just looking like everything's fine. Like we're talking about, let's say we're talking about the weather. Um, but on the inside, they just got a call that they lost their job. I'm going to feel the anxiety. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, that is a lot to go through every single day because what? I feel like every, like you are, if you're not aware, I mean, you feel it right. But mm -hmm. if you don't know how to hold space for yourself or how to kind of protect your own energy, and I don't know if that's mm -hmm. really the right word in this situation, but I just feel like depending on what your, your day-to-day -day life is, you are being barraged mm -hmm. by everybody's feeling, right. and maybe even ones that they're not even acknowledging for themselves. Correct. That they're not acknowledging or they're not ready to acknowledge. Um, mm -hmm. So to an unaware empath, like that's what I say. Like I internalized everything. So if I'm standing in front of someone and they're just talking about the weather and I'm feeling the anxiety, um, at first, before I realized I was an empath, I thought it was me. I'm like, oh, they're, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I feeling this way? You know, and then I would try to search in my mind for reasons why I'm feeling this way. Um, then that makes it my problem anyways. Now I'm trying to solve something that wasn't even mine to solve. But even once I first realized I was an, an empath and, and still trying to navigate, like, how do I, how do I set energetic boundaries? How, what do I do with all of this that I'm feeling? Um, I, I had to, one of the layers that came up for me was um, this mistrust that I had. Like, I'm like, oh, because I, I read it as like inauthenticity. If you're standing in front of me and you're talking about the weather, but really you want to talk about that you just lost your job, you're unwilling to actually speak truth, then I can't trust you. You're being inauthentic. Right. So I had, I'm like, oh, wow. I had to go through that layer and go like, that's not actually not true. People will handle their business when they're ready to handle it. Mm -hmm. They will become conscious to what they're ready to be conscious of, what they're ready to receive. And so, um, yeah, there was a good chunk of time there that I had to sort and heal through that. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that had that also tied back into my own trauma. Um, of like, can I trust other human beings? Am I actually safe? Um, and so, like we said, like once you're aware of your triggers, then you're like, oh, okay, I see how that plays into, am I actually safe around this person? Mm -hmm. If I'm sensing this other energy, but they're telling me the words aren't matching, then am I actually safe? You know, so I had to like navigate that and separate it from my own trauma and then really make sense of it in terms of what was mine and what wasn't in terms of being an empath and how do I relate and react and interact with people when I'm sensing stuff that's under the surface. So yeah, it's been a journey. What, what is the mm -hmm. difference between an empath and a highly sensitive person? You, cause you said something about mirror new neurons. 
Yeah, mirror neurons. So a highly sensitive person's brain is actually different, created differently than a non-highly sensitive person. So one of the differences is we all have mirror neurons. And that, like we, like I said earlier, if you and I are standing in front of someone who just had devastating news and they're, you know, crying, our mirror neurons are going to be able to look at that. We look at that person, our mirror neurons are able to connect with what that person is going through. And then we can be compassionate and we can empathize, right? So a highly sensitive person has more mirror neurons than a non-highly sensitive brain. And so they are going to pick up on the subtleties quicker. They're going to pick up on the shifts of moods quicker. Um, They're also more sensitive to um, loud noises. They're just, they're more sensitive to everything, more sensitive to touch. Um, Their brains are different. So a highly sensitive person notices deeper, quicker, um, where an empath feels it. We also notice because empaths, not all highly sensitive people are empaths. So yeah, but there's actual yeah brain differences in the highly sensitive person. I'm I'm kind of um, a little stuck on the the, the noises because I I have mm-hmm. oh, I, I get startled so easily mm-hmm. from unexpected or loud noises, and it has always been like that. And I, I to the point where I'm like I don't even understand this. Like it it will just I. F- feel like I'm jumping out of my skin and, and, you know, it's fun for friends when they want to scare me, but it's it's actually pretty terrifying for me in the moment. Yeah. And I always wondered, I'm like, did something happen? Like, why would I, why would a loud noise may, I don't know, maybe that was just trauma not being highly sensitive. I don't know, but it was just, when you said that it struck. Yeah. Or that's just how, that's just how your brain is wired. Mm -hmm. Right. We're all sensitive to certain things. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm sensitive to loud noises, um, extra chatter, like in the background when I'm trying to concentrate. And I've always, since I was a little girl, um, loved tactile, like feeling the satins and the velvets and the, you know, silks, like everything, um, the senses to a highly sensitive person, everything is like to the max, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, so now I'm curious when let's using the example um, that you said of, you know, somebody is talking about the weather when that's not what's on their mind and it feels inauthentic. How would you handle that now? Like, how do you navigate the feelings that you know are there versus what's being expressed? Um, so it's twofold. One is I've done enough work now where I know and believe that 99% of what I pick up on is none of my business. Um, it's just like, you know, when you hear, if it would be like, if if you were at the grocery store and you heard overheard somebody talking about some thing in their life, like it's none of your business. Like you don't know the person. Right. Um, so that was coming to terms with that. Um, which I'm not here to save the world just because I can feel it doesn't mean I'm here to heal it for them. Like it's theirs. Um, So that's, that was the mind part of it, like accepting that, but the body part of it, which really is the most difficult part um, because that's where I feel everything. Um, I'm, I still am navigating, adding things to my toolkit, but um, one of the things is, as I say, um, I try to be a hollow tube, like, when I notice something when I, in my body, whether it be grief or sadness or, and I would be like emotions that maybe I don't favor feeling, um, then I just kind of let them pass through me. So it's more of like, I'm aware, I notice, and then I let it go. And I just visualize and watch it kind of pass through my core as if I'm a hollow tube, just like in and out and let it go. Um, the only time I really would need to hold on to that is if the person has asked me for help, like mm. knows I'm an empath, knows I'm a, you know, a mental health um, specialist, like knows these things about me and they're wanting guidance. Other than that, it's not my business and holding on to it only harms me. Um, but there's other tools like that I've learned along the way that have worked for me. Um, for instance, like, I went on a walk with my husband 
like a month and a half ago, we were walking the dog and he was talking about some frustrations at work um, and he was really getting animated and, you know, he was really frustrated about it. Um, and within the first two minutes, I felt the angst in my body immediately. And so I was like, okay. Uh, and I, and I'm not interested in cutting off his conversation. Like it's, it's my job to notice the energy and let it go. So what I did in that case is like, I said to myself, you know, in my mind, um, I differences that I, I could see between him and I, like I'm wearing blue tennis shoes. He's wearing a maroon shirt. Um, to separate I, yourself from the exactly from his energy to mine. I I have a ponytail in right now, and I just say those things to myself quietly until I actually feel the angst leave my body, and then I have then I'm my energy is now separate from his, and he can continue his story, and I've let it go. Wow. Yeah, and that works. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel yeah. like people, even if you don't necessarily feel that you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, who hasn't been in a in a conversation with someone who's so yes activated and so upset that just by default you feel some of that, right? right. And you're just exactly. like, oh, and if you're not yeah. if you're not as upset about it as they are, you are usually probably going to try to get well, I get away. Um, yeah, escape. Yeah, Nobody wants to feel. Um, we all want to escape the bad feelings. Like I, mm -hmm. we all do. It's we all have that in common. I mean, it's very similar to, um, when I'm working with clients and, um, I'm doing a video session, let's say, and they become triggered. Right. And I'm, I'm attuned to their facial expressions and I see, you know, okay, yeah, they're really getting deep into being triggered right now. And so when we are in our mind and it's similar to like, if you're noticing someone, like if I'm noticing my husband's energy, I'm in my mind, I'm like, Oh no, there's angst. Oh, oh, oh. and then your mind starts to kind of like spiral. Um, and so when I'm talking to a client who's triggered, I'm going to say, okay, let's pause for a second. Can you feel your feet on the floor? Yeah. Okay. Can you feel, can you feel the weight of your body in the chair you're sitting in? Yeah. So it's like you're, then you ground them in the present moment. Because when we're triggered, we're in our head, we're in the past. And so then our body starts to respond as if we are back in that moment. We're having a full reaction to our trauma all over again. And a lot of times I'll, I won't call it triggers. I will call it trauma reminders because we're just being reminded of our trauma, but our body's responding like we are in that original event, whether you were 10, whether you were 20, whatever, you're back there. And so that's what grounding is so important. Like come back to right now. Like it's okay to express emotion and um, be upset about what you're recalling, but come back. So your body doesn't get completely activated, which, you know, can be harmful. So it's the same thing. Like when you're, when I walk in with my husband, it's like grounding into my own energy. Like, wait a second, come back into grounding. Like what are your differences? Where are you? right now you're attuned to where he is, but where are you? You're fine. You're just walking along. Yeah. I was Into the present. The One of the first times um, my, my therapist at the time um, tried to get me to talk about a feeling at, as the way it felt in my body. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, if something could go over like a lead balloon, like I was just, I just, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, where do you feel it? I was like, what, what do you mean? What would what, what, like, I just mm -hmm. <laughs> not very receptive to it. And then it's, I still, it took a while of him to keep trying to remind me, like, where do you feel this? Because at first mm -hmm. I just was like, I don't know. I feel upset. I feel and he's like, no, in your body. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, like, and it's funny to me because I'll notice, I'll feel like a tightness in my stomach. And I'll think, oh, it's weird. Like, why is that there? And not always, right? It doesn't always mean something's going on. But that tightness is almost always there when I'm really upset or I'm really, like, anxious about something. Mm -hmm. Always in my stomach. But it was just funny the, when you were saying that and you could tell when somebody was triggered. And he was he handled it beautifully. But I was so not receptive, not ready. Like, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean in my body? We don't feel, feel. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And oh my gosh, your that story right there is so relatable to so many people, including myself. Um, and 
I would say that right now in my life, in terms of my journey and my own healing, is that's where I'm at, is my focus right now, where I'm at today, is body connection. Because um, a lot of empaths and highly sensitive people learn very early to disconnect from their bodies completely, because that's where we feel everything. And I know, looking back now, I mean, I went and got my degrees because I was trying to make sense of the pain that other people caused me. Like it had nothing to do with what I thought was best for me or what I wanted to do or what I I was really trying to make sense of if I can figure out how the human brain works, then mm-hmm. I can somehow escape pain in the future. Like I could somehow like shift and like manipulate the situation. Like I understand what you're thinking and feeling. So I'm not going to get hurt if I do this. Like I thought I could be ahead of like the ball rolling down the hill somehow. You could have um, it. I mean, in the, all the grand universe plan, like it all came, it was, everything was on purpose. Um, but the, my intention behind it back then was to somehow, I thought it would uh, save me from future pain and trauma. Because by the eight, by the time I thought I wanted to be a psychologist in the eighth grade, I'd already been through my major core trauma and it continued to, to just snowball. But, um, but yeah, so connecting back to my body has been, that's where I'm at now. And so, cause I can explain everything. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, I can go logic. I can go like in my head and, you know, have these type of conversations with you. But the real work comes when, I sit down and I have to be still and I ask my body, what is that? Like, I'll say, okay, so what is that tightness in your chest? Mm-hmm. And I let my body answer because my mind will be like, oh, it's nothing. It's fine. Blah, 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 whatever. Or they'll blame someone else or this or that where no, mm-hmm. how about just be still with your body? Okay. So what, what is that? Okay. The, the tightness feels like fear. Okay. So what is that fear telling you? Well, that fear is telling me I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, where did your body learn that it wasn't enough? Like really going into, um, because trauma stores in our body. And that's why we need to go back there because it stores in our body and our nervous system. That's where it's at. Like our brain. I mean, it's easy to be in the brain. It's hard to be in the body. Um, especially oh. the body was a source of trauma. So it doesn't feel safe. Oh, oh, I never, okay. That makes sense. I never would have thought of that, but that makes, mm-hmm. so your, your brain dissociated after an experience. 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is just my personal story. Like my body actually became a source of trauma. So my, my body itself triggers me. Yeah. Because I learned as a young girl that my body, my physicality was the thing that, um, brought me harm, um, brought me rejection. Um, then that equated to me not being lovable, maybe an unworthy. And so, then as the trauma kind of like snowballed and grew and grew, I eventually became, I believed that if only I had a different body, right? So then my body became the source of trauma. Yeah. So it's been, so my body didn't, never felt safe. Never. Can I ask, why did you feel rejected because of your body? Um, so, and you don't have to, no, that's fine. Yeah. So two, two things I was habitually bullied, um, through elementary, middle and high school, habitually bullied, um, called names and it was always around my body. And then I was, um, molested by my third grade teacher. And that again was a little girl whose body, (laughs) Right. So then there's that shame around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Multifaceted. But that's where it, that's where it landed was my body was bad. 
If it weren't for your body, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. So- <laughs> yeah. So it was really easy for me to, um, when I took up a spiritual practice, it was like magic because I got to completely disconnect from my physical being. Like, oh, when you meditate, like you, you're floating. You are, you are your spirit. You are your soul. You are completely disconnected from the physical. And so going up into my spiritual awakening, I was like, man, this is, this is a jam. Like I, I want to be like this all the time. So I wasn't grounded in my physicality at all. In fact, I was at the place where I was like, you know, like I could leave the earth right now and I'd be totally fine because if this is where we go, like if we go to this place that I go to when I meditate, sign me up now. But the human experience is a balance between the spiritual and the physical. But man, the physical felt like hell to me. I was like, I don't want to be in there. No, I just want to be in the spiritual all the time. So right? Light, dark, yin, yang, that balance of the human experience means we have to embrace the human side of us and the spiritual side. So how long did it take? And not in a way like a, where you're supposed to be, you're not supposed to be, but in your journey, yeah. how long did it, when, I'll ask it that way, Mm -hmm. when did you feel ready to come to terms with your body and to be present in your, to connect with your, Oh yeah. I'm still not a hundred percent there. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, I, I have a trauma informed coach that I work with every other week. And then, um, like when I said, it's a lifestyle, it's like truly a lifestyle. I'm yes. I reach a lot of people and I have clients and this is my work that I'm extremely passionate about, but I am walking the walk. Um, like I haven't arrived at some place, um, that other people should aspire to. Like when I say that I'm finally at a place where I'm like, this is where I'm at now. This is my, this begins this part of it, which is connecting to my body, which is what I've been resisting my entire life. The difference is I feel safe to do it now. Like, because I understand why I was so afraid and why I, why I resisted it for so long. I'm ready now. Um, so that's huge. Yeah, it is huge. It's really huge. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like someplace it's like with anything, we are aware of our triggers, but that doesn't mean we're not, we're going to stop being triggered. Mm -hmm. So. I have enough tools now to go, okay, uh, yeah, like this happened today and it triggered me and, you know, I want to go into like self-sabotage and like starve, let's say this isn't, this isn't what happened, but I want to like starve myself for a week because I'm triggered and I want, you know, my body or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I I now have enough tools where I can call my coach or I can, um, take a walk or if like, I'm like, you know what? I, I need to journal or I need to, you know, get a massage or I need to go to acupuncture. Like I have so much of my tool chest now where, um, I'm taking care of myself instead of reacting to the trigger and listening to the voice inside that says, um, basically destroy yourself. You're not enough. Go do this. Try that. Change yourself. Do something, do, do whatever you need to do to be safe. Lash um, out at this person. Maybe yeah, that's not for you, but yeah, because that's what trauma does. Trauma lies to us and and tells us these things that we're but we're so desperate to ease the feelings of being triggered and activated that sometimes the behaviors that it brings up are actually the things that end up destroying us. Mm. Not the trauma itself. It's our reactions and the desperate pleas uh, behaviors that we do to tr- thinking that we're going to ease that feeling somehow make it go away. Yeah. Since I've been trying to understand more and read more, I've been so, and, and anybody who listens to the podcast the last few episodes, I've talked so much about trauma and mm-hmm. adverse experiences and work and how it shows. And it's just 
crazy to me. Like I understand that, you know, even trauma informed therapy is new to some people. Mm-hmm. But when I look and I read and I think of all these different scenarios, I'm like, God, I can't wait for the day where we have trauma informed workplaces where there can be a space for people to understand that what this person said or did is triggering this response mm-hmm. in me, but it's not actually about that. Right. right. It's, and I just think of all these interactions that happen at work, all these, you know, situations that we put ourselves in all because we're just trying to avoid feeling whatever that might be, whatever the response right. is. Yeah. Imagine that world, right? Where it wasn't a world that was about telling someone they're broken or diseased or, right? Or that, just get over it. You just push through it. Right. Just push through. Yeah, that doesn't work. Push um, through your break. That's how that is. Right. That, that's how, yeah, that's how you truly get sick. You just keep pushing through. I mean, that's the thing, right? Our bodies aren't feeling the way they are for no reason, right? Our minds aren't responding to triggers for no reason. Like we truly, if you think of it this way, like our brains and our bodies are miraculous. Mm -hmm. They really are trying to keep us safe. But the way that we've handled people who've been traumatized that seek support up until now, and it's ever evolving, which is amazing, but so many people think that they're broken Mm -hmm. when their brains just adapted and changed to what they went through to survive. Yeah. hundred percent. Tell me, tell me about your book. Yeah. So that's such an amazing story. Like I'll just tell you really quick. Um, Last I think it was last June or July. It was last July. Um, years ago, like right after, I was like right before my awakening, I made a um, a vision board, and it's right here to the left of me in my office. And one of the what it one of them says in the very top left corner, my book deal. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been up there for six years. Um, hadn't really even thought about how that would happen. Um, so anyways, last June, we were getting ready to go on um, a trip to Florida. And I got an email from a publisher and they said, hey, we've been watching you on Instagram. Um, and we would you be open to a call? Because we really think that we would love for you to write a book for us. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, for, I, at first I was like, this isn't real. And so I did the whole like skeptical thing where I like researched and I was like, this is a scam. <laughs> like, this is just one of those people like, do you want your blue check mark on Instagram? Here's, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't real. So I did the, uh, I did the research first and then I was like, oh, wow. So then I emailed, I'm like, yeah. So I set up an interview, a call while I was on vacation with my family. Um, and so that's how it happened. Like we talked and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm just going to turn my work into a book. And Mm -hmm. um, that's what I did. So I wrote, um, turned in my manuscript in October. Um, It's in pre-sales right now and like all over the world. Like last time I Googled it, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's in stores, like it's being sold in Finland and Sweden and like the US and Australia. I'm just like, what in the world? Um, yeah. And it hits stores July or no, I'm sorry, January 11th. It what, actually hits stores. What is it called? The Healed Empath. The Healed Empath. Yeah. Now they can, they can pre-order it now? Yeah, they can pre-order it now. Um, okay. Yeah. So like for the next, until the book actually hits stores, I'm doing all kinds of like, incentives, like, um, people that have ordered, pre-ordered the book over this last 30 days, they were entered to win two scholarships to my realized empath program that starts August 7th. And those scholarships were worth like $820. So I announced the winner August 1st for that, the winners for that. And then starting August 2nd, that I'm going to start a new giveaway where if you pre-order the book and send me the receipt, then you're entered to win a free one-on-one session with me. So we're doing all kinds of fun stuff on, on Instagram. 
Um, and then once the book comes out, I'm going to do like a, like a, a book, like a read the book with everybody, um, almost like a book club where we all get together online and I kind of like go over different chapters with them and like do all kinds of fun stuff. Oh, so I love excited. that. Yeah. Oh, I'm really, really excited. If I could be a professional book club attender. Hey, yeah. Come on over. Oh. That'd be so yeah. fun. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So I will link to, um, if you will send me the link for the book where people can pre-order it, um, oh, yeah. I would love to include that in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and what, what, uh, what is your name on Instagram so people can connect with you? Realized Empath. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> really simple, keeping it, you know, straightforward. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Realized Empath. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Thank you so yeah. much. I've so enjoyed it. Yeah, Any you. other places people can connect with you or should look for you? Yeah, so um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. Um, obviously, I have my website, which is realizedempath.com. I have a community over there. We have all kinds of offerings. Um, and I write for the Elephant Journal quite often. So I just published another article this today, actually, sent over there. So you can also connect with me over there. So I don't, I actually am not familiar with this, the Elephant Journal. Oh, yeah. You should check it out. It's a really cool publication. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got a new one. To, okay. Yay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I so enjoyed yeah. this. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Kristen and that conversation. So fun story. Since recording that conversation, I have actually had an opportunity to use her technique of separating herself from the example she used of her husband when he was kind of upset about a situation at work and she was making sure to protect her energy and protect her vibes, if you will. I've actually had an opportunity to use that technique and it works. It is great. Cannot recommend it enough. So in addition to recommending you use that, I also recommend you connect with her in all of the ways. They're all, all of her links are listed below to the book, to her Instagram, to her website. Please, by all means, go support her. And as a reminder, if you have a question that you want to submit for the series coming up at the end of September, then the link below in the show notes is where you submit that question anonymously. And like I talked about in last week's episode, if you didn't hear it, you can ask anything. If this is just a question that you always wanted to know, like the examples I used were, is it bad to call someone's hair nappy? Why is that offensive? Why do some people get offended when, they, when I ask, where are you from? Is that offense? Any question like that, whether it's about race, ethnicity, religion, this is your chance to ask that question completely anonymously. You don't have to worry about being perceived as racist or bigoted or ignorant. This is a safe place for you to submit those questions. And, and during that series, for those questions to be discussed in an open way and just as a matter of fact. So nobody has to know it's you asking, whoever you may be. But this is going to be an opportunity to open the door to these conversations that I believe so wholeheartedly need to be had. So the link to uh, where you asked that question is in the show notes. And I really hope that if you know of someone who probably has questions that they've been too afraid or too nervous to ask, that you send this to them or forward the link to them so they can submit their question as well. Just so you know. It will not just be me that answers these questions, okay? It's going to be, I'm going to have experts and guests coming on to help have these discussions. This is not going to be just Rosanna answering a bunch of questions about race and ethnicity and religion by myself. Not doing it. Not going to pretend to be an expert on, on all of that. But I did think it was very important to have this space and have a container for these conversations. And so... Ergo, we're having a series about it on the Breaking Labels podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Don't ever hesitate to reach out. If you want to actually reach out to me and know who, let me know who it is. You can email me at rosanna at breakinglabelspodcast.com and make sure to um, subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so already. That way, every week when there's a new episode, you automatically have it waiting for you in your queue. So whether you listen, listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Stitcher, then make sure to subscribe. All right. 
I hope you have a great week and I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you. 